Rodotosker Press presents Tales of the Chai Makani Trio by Kate McLeod, performed by Oliver Vincent. Episode 5 The Hidden Spaceport. Elliot really missed his boots. Sure, today's walk through the jungle was easier going than their journey from the mountain to the comparative safety of the prison village. The ground here was drier. They didn't need to prowl through the treetops picking their way over whichever tree branches were wide enough and horizontal enough to make sort of a path, and they didn't need to battle undergrowth to make their way through. In fact, the ground beneath the trees looked almost sandy, the plants more grass-like than thorny. And yet, every step he took in those soft cloth boots, something jabbed into the bottom of one foot or another. Sharp-edged rocks, woody thorns that stabbed deeper than the rocks, and fine nettles that he discovered still embedded in the cloth covering his ankles, only after they had spread their fiery venom down through his foot. Everyone else, save for Alextra, had the exact same boots, and yet no one else was flinching, let alone complaining. How tough were their feet? At least the air was better here. It was cooler, breezier, less humid and without the rot of vegetation he had grown so used to constantly smelling, since leaving his high mountain home, he had stopped even noticing it. But having grown up within the stone walls of that city, he had a hard time placing what he was smelling now. It was familiar, but only vaguely, like he was remembering one smell among many from a crowded marketplace he had visited many years ago as a young child. But he liked it. It was a clean smell. Jax, with six of his gang of renegades from the prison village, were leading the trio west, further away from the city, although the Commonwealth ships hovering over Elliot's hometown never seemed to get any smaller behind them when he could spot them through the treetops. Elliot was walking at the back of the group, keeping close to Alextra's side. She looked a thousand times better than she had just the night before. She didn't favor her injured leg with even the slightest of limps, and the material her pants were made of had mended themselves without any sign of the large tear that had marred them the day before. And yet, she was definitely moving more slowly than usual, which suited Elliot just fine. He couldn't imagine how much worse his feet would feel if he wasn't carefully choosing each step over the jungle floor. Alextra suddenly froze, and Elliot froze too, looking up to see Jax far ahead of them through the trees. He had stopped, one fist raised in the air to signal to the others. No one moved, or spoke, or even looked around. So what was the danger? Then Jax lowered his fist, turning to make eye contact with first Hurley and then Arian. Without a word between them, the two moved in forking directions ahead and to either side of Jax. Hey, Kiani said, no more than a whisper, but still Elliot jumped. It was like she had just teleported to a spot right in front of him and Alextra, there in a flash. Enforcers? Alextra asked, brushing her fingertips over the short club of her tanjo, hanging at her side. No, another sandpit, Kiani said. Hurley and Arian are finding a way around. Then we'll all go. The bugs don't really pose much of a threat when you're not trapped in the sands, but better safe than sorry. This doesn't seem as treacherous as the jungle nearer the city, Elliot said. It doesn't seem so. Maybe it is, Kiani said. There are other things we're avoiding entirely. That's why our path is so serpentine, then? Alextra asked. Elliot said nothing, 
he thought they had been moving in a straight line, but then the only point of reference he had was the ships overhead, and they never seemed to change, no matter where they moved on the ground. The gweeps are more prevalent here, Kiani said, and another kind of grub, bigger than my fist, that lives in the hollows in the ground. If you step on one of their hives, you'll country right through. Your leg will be stuck, then they swarm you. You know this area, then? Elextra asked. Not like Jax does, Kiani said. Are you sure about that? Elextra asked. He says he does, Kiani said, then heaved a sigh. You're right. I don't know for a fact that he knows any more about this area than I do. He says we're circling the hive clusters, but I've never seen a grub hive before. I've only seen the prisoners who stumbled into them by mistake. It takes days for them to die. Long, painful days. And they always die. Definitely something to be avoided, then, Elextra said. But also a handy excuse to keep people from straying off the path you want them following. Is he lying to us about where we're going? Elliot asked Kiani. She sighed again. I don't think so. He wants to find the rebels. I know that for a fact. It's all he was talking about last night after you two turned in. The more he talks, the more he comes across as some sort of hero to the rebellion. Like he has to return. Like they're waiting for him. And that doesn't sound like a lie, Elliot asked. Oh, that part is totally a lie, Kiani said. But he wants to get back to them. That part I know is true. He might not be stalling then, Elextra said. He might just be lost. Elliot looked to Kiani to see what she thought of this assessment. Most of us kids wander out of the village all the time, Kiani said. There are tree forts built generations ago by other kids, like us, just outside the guard towers. Most kids only go that far, just to prove to themselves they can. I mean, it's not like the guards don't know. But Jack's claim to go farther, I'm guessing, Elextra said. He was famous for it, Kiani said. I never had any reason to doubt him. Past tense, Elliot said. Kiani looked back over her shoulder at where Jack stood, conferring with one of the other renegades. This isn't time for that whole story. Sometime when we're surrounded by four safe walls and a roof, maybe, but not here. We need to keep vigilant here. At first, Elliot thought Alextra was demonstrating that point, her whole body tensing up as her eyes scanned the jungle around them. Then Kiani tensed up too, only she had fear in her eyes and he knew it wasn't a game at his expense, but strain as he might, his ears picked up nothing. Or was that the point? The jungle had suddenly gone eerily quiet. Jax turned to look back at Kiani. Elliot touched her arm and gestured behind her. She glanced back at Jax, then tugged at the front of Elliot's tunic, and Alexa's sleeve, in silent command for them to walk with her. By the time they reached Jax, they saw Hurley and Arian had also returned. Then Elliot finally heard it. Machine sounds, like the treads of heavy vehicles crushing everything in their path. We're close, Jax said in a low voice. What do you mean? Alextra asked. Close to the rebel base, Jax said. Those are their all-terrain vehicles. They rescued me from the prison transfer van in one of those. I don't think so, Alextra said with a frown. Well, I know so, Jax snapped. No, those are Commonwealth engines, she said. My hearing is more nuanced than yours, 
and I have had ample time to study their unique signature. She glanced at Kiani and Elliot. It's Colton Ward's squad, for sure. Jack's face was flushing a deep scarlet, and Elliot could swear he even saw the matted locks of his hair rising up off his scalp. When Jack's blue, it was going to be loud. Kiani must have seen it too. She put a hand on Jax's forearm, just a slight touch of her fingertips with her eyes on Electra the whole time. But it was as if she drew the anger out of him, like a leech sucking away blood, only a thousand times faster. Both could be true, she said. The enforcers might not be here for us. They could be looking for the same thing we are. Colton Ward, Electra said again. Kiani gave a little nod, acknowledging that his presence made that theory unlikely. Elliot understood what that name and that nod meant, but they meant nothing to Jax and his friends. What are you talking about? Jax asked, but his voice was once again calm and carefully modulated, not to carry through the trees around them. It doesn't matter, Kiani said. I hear them to the north and south, but not the west. The entrance to the spaceport is to the west, Jax said. Spaceport? Lextra asked. Yes, Jack said. A spaceport. How are you not clear where we were going? This was all your idea in the first place. You said the rebels, Lextra said. And they're in the spaceport, Jack said. This is news to me too, Kiani said, then turned to stare down Jax. Jax, if you're spinning tales, if you're lying to us, I swear by all that's holy. Why would you think I'm lying? Jax asked raising his hands as if in surrender. I was rescued by the rebels before I could be taken to the maximum security camp. They brought me to their hidden spaceport, and they kept me there until the day before yesterday. Then I left because I'd gotten word that you were back. Why was Kiani being back so important? Elliot asked, but no one heard him because, at the same moment, Kiani was growling. Explain to me how someone hides a spaceport. Jax's face slowly turned up in a delighted grin. You'll see. It's amazing. Then, to Elliot's consternation, Kiani grinned back at him. All right, she said. Alexstra started to roll her eyes but pressed a hand over them first, to hide that show of annoyance. When she dropped her hand, she was all business again. Which way, Jax? she asked. And don't just say west. We all know that much of it. What do you want me to say? The 280th tree beyond the border that looks like a Commonwealth strafe bomber? You're just going to have to follow me. Then lead on, Alexstra said. But step lively. Those tanks are getting closer. Jax looked like he wanted to argue for the approaching treads to be rebel all-terrain vehicles again, but he thought better of it. He gestured for Hurley to lead the way down the path she had picked out circling the sand pit. To Elliot's eye... The wide open space they were avoiding was the same sandy ground they were all walking on. There was no border, no shoreline, nothing at all to show that there was one piece of ground that was different from another. There were even little tufts of the same spiky grass dispersed over the sand they were all avoiding. But there were no trees there, and from time to time, he would just catch something scuttling around the far side. Something that always disappeared in a thatch of grass before he could quite get a good look at it. His only sense of where the far side of the sandpit was came when Jax and his crew visibly relaxed, fanning out to walk in an arrow-shaped configuration through the trees. Kiani glanced back to make sure Alexstra and Elliot were keeping up, then jogged ahead to take a position just behind Jax at the point. 
Alextra was moving a bit faster now, although Elliot suspected the tight line of her mouth was concealing the beginnings of pain. Or perhaps worry. She was looking behind them a bit more frequently than seemed necessary to Elliot. He was just looking back himself, seeing nothing out of the ordinary, when the ball of his foot came down directly on a thorn that pierced through cloth, boot, and flesh, and he half suspected all the way through the cloth boot again. He didn't cry out, but even the sharp hiss of his indrawn breath had Alextra shooting him warning glances. Then she saw how he was hobbling and caught his arm to hold him up, as he reached down with the other hand to pull the bloody spike out of his foot. They're behind us now, too, Alextra said. Elliot thought she was just telling him this, but then he looked up to see that Kiani was there, too, drawn by his hiss of pain, and hadn't seen that loud to him. They're hurting us? Kiani asked. Tell Jax that speed is of the essence, Alextra said. I really hope I'm wrong about him. Yeah, I've hoped that a lot myself, Kiani said, and then turned to run to catch up with the others. Can you walk? Alextra asked. I have some things I could give you for the wound and the pain, but it would take time we might not have. I can walk, Elliot said. He wasn't sure that was true, but after a few steps, the pain subsided to an annoying throb. He hadn't pierced anything vital, and although he was leaving a blood trail behind them, it was only a few drops with each step. Someone in a tank was unlikely to notice that. Kiani had delivered her message, but rather than moving faster, Jax and the others had huddled up again, waiting for Alextra and Elliot to join them. Was something unclear? Alextra asked. The trees start thinning out up ahead, Jax said. We'll be easy to spot, but we'll be moving faster, Alextra said. But there will be no cover, Jax said. They're practically on top of us already. With no trees to hide in, we'll be easy targets. Hiding in the trees won't help us, Alextra said, looking up at the sparse branches far overhead. You said we're close. You better not be wrong. Look, I went into and out of this place in the middle of the night, Jack said. I didn't see much either time, but it doesn't matter. If we press on to the west, we'll reach the point where the jungle ends at the edge of the canyon. I'll know where to go once we hit that. It won't be far. Then let's pick up the pace, Alextra said. Hey, that's your call, Jack said. We've only been going this slow on your account. Alextra shot him a dark look, then pushed past him to take the lead. It was not quite a jog, but it was a very fast walk. Kiani gave Jax a smirk, then fell in step beside Alextra. Elliot had a little more trouble doing the same. He really, really missed his boots. He could hear now that Alextra was right. The tanks were all on three sides of them now. He could even hear the snap and crunching rattle of trunks bending and breaking under those heavy treads. The canopy that had a moment before been dancing in the blue sky now ground into green mulch and churned into the sandy ground. Anything we should be watching for? Alextra asked Kiani as they spread through the trees. Hives in the ground or more sand pits? I'm watching, Kiani said. Maybe let me take point, though? Alextra seemed reluctant to fall back, even half a step. But there was no arguing that this was more Kiani's domain than hers. She hesitated a fraction before picking a path around a particularly thick tree trunk. And by the time she was moving due west again, Kiani was just a little in front of her. There was no sound of footsteps behind them. Adelian glanced back not sure if he was hoping to see Jax and the others still with them, or for the opposite. 
but they were still there, moving through the trees, if not silently, then at least not so loud as the approaching vehicles. Suddenly, there was a different roar of engine noise, this directly above them. They found us, Elliot said, finally seeing that what Jacks had said was true. To him, it still felt like they were walking through a dense forest, but looking straight up, he saw all the gaps between the leafy branches. Anyone looking down from above could spot them. Not the Commonwealth, Alextra said. He suspected she was using the fewest words possible. She was breathing harder than she ought to be, given that they still weren't actually running. Are you sure? Kiani asked, trying to look up at the shadow passing over them and down at the path in front of her, both at once, without losing a step. Positive, Alextra said. Listen. Two more passed overhead, so low they were nearly brushing the treetops. She was right. They weren't Commonwealth. The engines were too loud, too ragged, too sputtery to be coming from well-maintained Commonwealth fleet. Rebels? Elliot asked. There really is a spaceport hidden in this jungle, but how? If Alextra answered him, he didn't hear it. Not over the roar of four more shuttles, streaking overhead at twice the speed of their prey. Elliot felt hands on his shoulders pushing him aside and squawked in protest, but Jax ran past him in a dead sprint without ever looking back. The rest of the crew were sprinting as well. No care for moving silently now. Not even a worry about which of the jungle's dangers they might be about to run straight into. Kiani? Alextra asked. I guess run? Kiani said. If there's any danger, they're going to hit it first, right? She shot them both a manic grin that really wasn't winning Elliot over on this new plan. But he didn't want to be left behind either. Finding one last reservoir of energy, he broke into a run. The aching throb in his foot was a stabbing agony with every step, and the stitch in his side was working its way even deeper, past his lungs to poke at his heart, when suddenly he was colliding with the body, not in motion. One of Jack's crew, who caught him before he could fall down and held him until he had his balance back. Thanks, Elliot murmured, but the guy wasn't looking at him. He was looking ahead, and the expression on his face, mixing wide-eyed amazement and the awe with white-lipped fear and anxiety. Elliot looked up and felt a similar, simmering pot of emotions. When he had emerged out of the cave mouth on the side of the mountain under the city, he had been amazed by the vista spread out before him. He specifically remembered it as being trees as far as the eye could see. But below him now was nothing but sand. The canyon edge stretched as far north and south as he could see. The trees ran right up to that edge, but below there was no green. There was nothing but a yellowish-white that gleamed so brightly in the noonday sun that he couldn't look at it for more than a blink at a time. This doesn't make sense, Alexstrom was murmuring to herself. There's no way. These ecological systems are too different, too close. The rainfall would have to change by elevation, but that makes no sense. What is going on here? Alextra? Elliot called out to her. Perhaps she hadn't noticed just how close to that edge she was standing. He could see pebbles skittering away from her feet to fall over the side to some unknown fate hundreds of meters below. He had a sudden vision of a pile of bodies, hidden from view above. Piles the size of hills, the bottoms skeletal, but the tops fresher. Alextra! Kiani said, catching her arm and pulling her back until she was pressed up against the trunk of a tree. Elliot narrowed his eyes to slits against the onslaught of light, then looked out over the desert again. He could see dots in the sky the rebel shuttles with the Commonwealth shuttles in pursuit. Where are they going? He asked, and he turned to Jax. You said we were nearly there. 
You never said we'd be crossing a desert first. We're nearly there, Jack said, exacerbated. Obviously, they're leading the enemy away. If they just landed here, it would no longer be a hidden spaceport, would it? Elliot said nothing. He knew nothing about the logistics involved. He had never even flown on a ship before or been to the spaceport in the city. But he was pretty sure that hiding even two shuttles in the stationary spot where they always landed had to be something a lot like impossible, especially from an organization with the drive and resources of the Commonwealth. Alexstra was still getting her breath back. Kiani handed her a canteen of water, and she took a sip, then passed it on to Elliot. Jackson and his crew were huddled far enough away that the three of them couldn't hear what was being said. What do we do now? Kiani asked the two of them. Jax, Alexstra said. His call. It's too late, Jax said, stepping back from the huddle. They're here. The sound of tank engines was no closer than before, and Elliot thought that Jax was stalling. The renegade really didn't know where they were going. But the rise and fall of the engine sounds had settled into a steady drone, and there was no snapping of trunks or crashing of leafy canopies to the ground. Had they stopped moving? Why? Then he heard a softer sound. Part of him wanted to dismiss it as his imagination, but the rest of him was too paranoid for that. It had sounded like a twig snapping somewhere close by, but he could see nothing through the layers of tree trunks around him. Jackson and his crew moved silently until they were standing with their backs together, forming a circle that bristled with a variety of knives and a few rough-hewn spears. Elliot took the needle gun out of his tunic pocket. It felt heavier in his hand than he remembered from before. He had never fired a gun before. Was it harder than it looked? Was there some trick to it he didn't know? <laughs> Was it even loaded? He glanced over to see Kiani had her knives out as well but Alexstra's tanjo still hung at her hip in short club form. Instead, she was using her hands to signal to Kiani and him to stay back. He glanced behind him at the sheer drop down to the desert below. It was a few meters away, but what if he lost track of it in the fight? He could end up doing the Enforcer's job for them. Jax, run and find the rebels, Alexstra said as she moved away from the cliff further into the trees. I'll buy you as much time as I can, but run. Jax looked all around them. There was still no sign of the enforcers among the tree trunks, but that twig snap had been so close. Where were they hiding? Go now, Kiani said. Jax didn't look back at her, but gave a quick nod, putting his knives away and sprinting away to the south. He kept the cliffside on his right, but not too close. Hurley looked at Kiani, and she gave the renegade nod. Then Hurley, too, put her knives away and ran off to the south. Arian and the others followed suit. What about us? Elliot asked. You wait where you are, Alexstra said, finally taking the tanjo from her belt. I'll face Colton Ward. Alone? Kiani asked. It's better that I do, yes, Alexstra said. I'm not useless, Kiani said, gesturing with her knives. Elliot looked down at the needle gun in his hands and said nothing. I know you're not, Alexstra said. Just stay back here while I go face him. I'll be all right. He won't hurt me. Why not? Kiani asked. And how can you know that for sure? Because by now, he surely knows who I am, Alexstra said. He suspected before. He pursued us without taking the time to check. Pursued us without hurting us. Elliot wasn't sure that's how he'd characterized the last few days. Death had felt close at their heels the entire time. 
not just from Colton Ward, but mainly from him. But he's had the time to check now, Electra went on. He won't hurt me. But what if it isn't him this time? Kiani asked. It will be, Electra said, then more loudly as if directing her words to the entire jungle around them. I can hear his breath, the disciplined rhythm it keeps with his steps. I can practically smell the tang of his morning bowl of protein and greens in paste form. The Commonwealth Enforcer breakfast special. Such a good little soldier. She looked back at Elliot and Kiani one last time and gave them a smile she surely thought would be reassuring to them. But Elliot saw the way the curve of her lips didn't diminish the sadness that lurked at the corners of her eyes. She didn't think she was coming back. She had enjoyed their little adventure, which apparently had never involved real danger in her mind, and now she was disappointed that it was all over. Who was she? Electra passed in and out of view as she moved through the trees, and Elliot found himself taking a step closer to Kiani until they were shoulder to shoulder. She still had her knives in her hands, but they were not raised so high now. Then Electra stopped. Whether intentionally or not, she had stopped where Elliot had a clear view of her, she started idly spinning her tanjo in one hand, as if bored. Then Colton Ward stepped into view before her, and that spin picked up speed. The ends extended, although what form she had summoned, Elliot couldn't tell. Captain Colton Ward of the Empress's Enforcers of the Commonwealth of Planets of the Third Quadrant of the Kulub Galaxy, Alextra said casually. Fourth Squad, she added. Third Division. Alextra, Colton Ward said. At first, Elliot found that encouraging. He couldn't have figured out Electra's secret if he didn't even know her family name. But then the captain went on. Your mother is very anxious to have you home safely. Is she? Electra asked. As a theatrical level of doubtfulness, she was still spinning her tanjo around her, passing it from hand to hand without slowing its momentum. Officially, Colton Ward said as if allowing her this slight deviation to his original statement. Elliot glanced over at Kiani. But if she understood any more of this than he was, it didn't show on her face. Mostly, she just looked like she wanted to start throwing her knives at Colton Ward's heart. Sir! Someone unseen in the trees called. Lieutenant? Colton Ward said, never taking his eyes off Alextra. We have the others, the lieutenant said. A flash of motion caught Elliot's eye, and he could just make out the back of Jax's head from between the trees. It jerked back into view, then was pulled out of it again. He was struggling against captors. How many? Colton Ward asked. Seven, sir. Elliot's heart sank. That was all of them. That was their entire hope of rescue. There are two more straight on that way, Colton Ward said, pointing directly towards Kiani and Elliot. Go fetch those. Yes, sir. What now? Elliot hissed at Kiani. Run, Kiani said, putting her knives away and sprinting to the south, for all the good that had done Jax and the others. And yet, it was the only direction that held any hope at all. Elliot put the gun away and followed. They hadn't made more than a dozen steps before the jungle in front of them suddenly came to life, underbrush shaking, as if trying to ward them off. Everything seemed to happen at once, and yet... In the center of it all was Elliot's mind, running with maddening slowness. There hadn't been any underbrush here in the west. Certainly not any underbrush with leafy arms and legs. He stumbled back, 
He had some sort of plan that involved turning and running the other way, but his numb feet wouldn't execute it. Then there was a hand grabbing his arm painfully and tightly, and a masked face emerged from the foliage that was attacking him. It's all right, a woman's voice said to him. We're friends. Enforcers! Elliot squeaked out. We've got them surrounded, she said. They've got you surrounded, Elliot said. They've got tanks. We've dealt with those, if only temporarily, she said. She started pulling him, and even though she was trying to draw him in the direction he had been going, he tugged in his heels. Not without my friends, he said. They're coming, she said with a real impatience now. Elliot dug his heels in again, and then twisted his arm out of her grasp, scrabbling and stumbling, then scrabbling again until he was once more running through the trees. Kiani had broken free as well, if she had ever been caught at all. And the two of them reached Alexstra's side at nearly the same moment. Despite Alexstra's words about her assured safety, Colton Ward had his sidearm drawn and aimed at her. Elliot struggled to get his own gun free from his pocket to aim it at the captain. Two hands for you, I should think, lad, Colton Ward said. He had never taken his eyes off Alexstra, but Elliot knew he was talking about him and his shaking hands. Elliot moved his left hand to support his right. It's all right, Elliot, Alexstra said. Captain Ward was just leaving. Colton Ward smirked then moved the end of his gun slightly, as if finessing his aim. But there was no mistaking the sounds of scuffling all around them. The rebels might be hard to spot when they were disguised as part of the jungle, but they weren't hard to hear when they moved about. It sounded like the jungle itself was swallowing up the enforcers and spitting up Jax and his crew, who were all popping out all around Alexstra's little clearing, knives in hand, and looking for a target. Not the moment, then, Colton Ward said, and put his weapon away. You can't get away, and I'm in no hurry. Another time, Electra agreed, her tanjo coming to a stop behind her. We're just letting him go? Elliot asked, his voice screeching higher than he'd like. The rebels will try to catch him, I'm sure, Electra said. Try and fail, Elliot said. I got away from them after all. They let you go because they didn't want to hurt you, Electra said. The sound of gunfire echoed through the trees. Close, but by then, further away. Jax jogged up to Alexstra. Told you I'd find them. Yes, good job, Alexstra said, contracting her tanjo to club form and putting it back on her belt. Then someone else was in the clearing. A man dressed in camouflage, but without the leafy branches. A black mask covered his hair and face except for around his eyes. Judging by the crow's feet, he was older, and judging from the white scar that bisects his left eyebrow, not remotely a flesh injury. He had seen a lot of action in those years. You're in charge? Alexstra asked. The man turned to look at her, and both of his eyebrows went up in surprise when he saw how she was dressed. The black of her leggings and tunic, and even her boots was unmarred by dust or mud, and her cape was draped elegantly around her shoulders. She didn't look remotely like someone who had spent the last few days trekking through a jungle. You are far from home, he said. Then he turned his attention to her two companions. His gaze passed over Kiani, dressed the same as Jax and his crew, and entirely looking like someone who had been in this jungle since birth. His gaze was about to pass over Elliot as well, who looked much the same at the moment, despite his childhood in the city. Then he did a double-take, stepping closer as if to get a better look. Elliot fought the urge to touch his own face, as if to feel out what was so captivating to this man. "'You're in charge?' Alexstra asked again. "'I am.' The man said, still staring at Elliot. 
Colrin, the woman who had grabbed Elliot said as she emerged from the trees. We have to go. Right, Colrin said. Their tanks are dealing with some obstacles we threw in their way, but that won't last long. We need to disappear. Colrin, Elliot said, but so quietly no one heard him. Colton Ward? Kiani asked, loudly and urgently. Who? The woman asked. The captain that was riding in the point tank, Colrin told her. Captured or killed? No idea, the woman said. We've got more than a few of them, but I'll have to debrief the squads and check the cam footage to know for sure if we got a captain. He got away, Kiani said, glaring at Alextra. It doesn't matter, Alextra told her. Colrin? Elliot said again, but louder this time. Yes, Colrin said, then realized who it was that was calling his name. Elliot, Elliot said, touching his own chest and resisting the urge to explain that these weren't really his clothes. Colrin pulled off his black mask, tussling up his thick snowy white hair and grinning at Elliot. Yes, Valria's son, he said. I thought that was you. It's been years, and you're twice the size you were when I last saw you. You know this guy? Kiani asked. I did, Elliot said. Colrin, where's my mother? Colrin, we have to go, the woman said, more urgently now. Right, Colrin said to her then made a gesture with his raised hand. The jungle around them rustled again, but this time moving as one, and all kept in the same direction. Keep moving, Colrin said, giving them each a little shove as if they needed a push start. It's not far, and we'll be safer to talk there than here. But my mother, Elliot insisted. Yes, your mother, Colrin said. That's a long story, but the short version is, she's alive, and I might just be able to get you to her. But not if we don't get safely underground first. Come on. And yet again, Elliot found himself sprinting through the woods. But this time, the pain in his foot didn't slow him down. This time, nothing could. This has been Tales of the Chimacani Trio by Kate McLeod. Performed by Oliver Vincent. Tales of the Chimacani Trio is a Rodotosker Press production. But Elliot knew he was talking about him and his shaking hands.